Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoyed listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi everyone, thanks for listening today. Today we are talking about one of my favourite topics, sensuality and pleasure. I really wanted to talk about this because what I've realised probably over the last 12 months is that those two words can be really triggering and polarising for a lot of people and I think because there's a lot of shame around sexuality that they've been coupled into that concept and so I find a lot of people when I talk about sensuality, which to me is just how do you engage your five senses, is met with shutdown by a lot of women. So I have invited one of my dear friends and coaching colleagues today, Carol, to talk to you about sensuality because it's kind of one of her big jams. She's really cool at talking about it so carol Musashi, thank you so much for being here today thank you kelly i i felt really um excited when you reached out to talk about sensuality and this, particularly that shame and shutdown side because that was very much my personal experience for a long time mm. so why don't you tell us a little bit about you because i know you started life as an engineer so tell us about <laughs> your road to becoming a sexuality, love and relationship coach and what what was it that brought you here? So, yeah, how did you get from engineering? Yeah. Carol, Carol's really smart, everyone, to <laughs> becoming a sex, love and relationship coach. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a 180. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that, like, in a nutshell, it was my body that led me here. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I grew up in a way, you know, I grew up Catholic. I grew up really valuing education and kind of just the traditional, you know, you work hard at school, you get good grades, you go to a good university, you get a good degree, you get a good job, you save for a house, you get married. And I was very much on that trajectory. I um, was working at a good job. I was working as an engineer. Um, I was married. We were saving for a house. We had two cats and a dog. Um, I would say that, but when I started to practice yoga, that was the practice that really was probably the first time that I truly started listening to my body or even getting a sense of what that even meant. And I did it just because it was the only kind of exercise that I didn't have to force myself to do. (laughs) It's like, I'm supposed to do some of this exercise shit, but, um, and the more that I explored my own body and my own inner world and the way that those two things were intertwined, the more I couldn't look away from the message I was getting that my life just didn't fit. It didn't feel right. Mm. It didn't feel like me. That actually just before um, this call, I had a look at one of my 
old journals from that time. And it actually reading the kinds of things that I was writing um, brought up a lot of, I could kind of go back to that sickening feeling of feeling like this isn't right. And the more I, the more I started to explore, I eventually got divorced and I got deeper into my explorations of, of my body in terms of, I would go to ecstatic dance or try other things and, and started to really be called to explore my sexuality more. Mm -hmm. And that was an area that was quite challenging for me. It still is in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I would say challenging, but just it's full of rich exploration yeah isn't it always for all yeah. of us though yeah yeah and you go I, you go to a point and then you think oh wait there's more <laughs> I like to think that that pleasure and sensuality and sexuality they are such core kind of primal essential parts of who we are as human animals yeah that to get there you have to go through all of the other layers that are sitting on top of them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's super, super foundational. Mm -hmm. So you started exploring all these different modalities of mm -hmm. movement and healing, and mm -hmm. then what made you want to become a coach working in that area? I have lists and lists that I was keeping. When I was working as an engineer, I was like, I just woke up way too many mornings dreading going to work yeah. and I tried I was like maybe I just want to do more hands-on work or maybe I need I tried applying for different jobs I tried working in a different part of the same company and uh, you know I, st I still just really had that Sunday night was like such a low point in my week because <laughs> the work week was coming it's just not how we're meant to live our lives. I don't no. think like, no, we're, we're not, not born to be dreading your day, five days of the week. And I, I did my yoga teacher training and I loved it. And I just had this feeling like, I, I love this. I, I know there's something else that I'm meant to be doing. It's not exactly yoga teacher training, yoga teaching, but it's related. I had these lists of what do I love to do? I love facilitating groups. I love engaging with people. I love like learning about how humans work. And I, I was combining all of these elements and um, it, I actually ended up taking a year off to explore because I knew that engineering wasn't it. And um, I really just needed some time and space to see where I was led. And I eventually found the sex, love and relationship training program. I didn't even know that being a sexuality coach was a thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I think this is it. It, it I, I can use all these things on my lists that I'm good at and that I love. <laughs> and um, yeah, but it wasn't until that point that I was like, oh, I think this is the thing. Yeah. Okay. So what was it that kept you, if you think about your cultural conditioning mm. and familial conditioning, what was it that stopped you from connecting with your own sensuality and pleasure in your life? Mm. 
for the stories mm. that you were carrying? Mm. I um I got straight A's in being a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I nailed it. Um I and I do I think the our culture and when I say our culture I'm talking about the dominant culture in places like the the US which is where I grew up and in Australia which is where I live now. So I can't speak for everywhere in the world and every culture, but the dominant cultures that I've lived in, you know, you don't be too prudish, but don't be a slut either. And there's yeah. all of these, you know, you can't win. There's, there's like a tiny little square millimeter at the middle of all of that, where you can be everything that you're supposed to be. Oh my God. I if it even like, exists. I, I have this image in my head of like, that we have like this ruler at the mm. back of our head down to our neck and it's like I don't know maybe an inch wide and it's like don't go outside that ruler do you know yeah. like just in a physicality sense it's like yeah stay very you know which is what I think so many women experience mm. and so in terms of archetypes and and actually being able to be themselves it's mm. almost impossible for so mm. many and and as you were saying that your your kind of your neck and your body got kind of rigid yeah and it does that it it, it also takes a lot of energy every time oh, you're trying to to navigate all of these expectations and and rules to find the perfect way to behave where nobody will be upset but it was also the the religious conditioning and i and i grew up um, Catholic and I really took it on like I would I would research like what all the rules were according to the church doctrine because I didn't want to do the wrong thing I didn't want to go okay. to hell I didn't want to like break the rules and so I really took on all the ideas that um, masturbation is a sin and even I think that I even felt like getting like turned on or lusting after someone was was sinful and that's actually a really when you're a teenager and you're going through puberty and all these things your are are like, your are, yeah it's literally against our nature to say that that's wrong but um and 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 all the ideas around sex should just be within marriage with one person and if you're a woman it's a woman and a man and that's the only environment where it's sanctioned. So you just keep it, keep it locked down. And then once you're in that marriage, you, you can go wild and have fun, but you've spent all that time locking it down. The switch is a bit it's stuck. locked down. The switch is like covered in glue and sticky tape and yeah. It's rusted. God. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that had a really big impact. So how do you describe sensuality? I, I like you, I really connect it to enjoyment of your senses, experiencing goodness through your senses in your body in the present moment. And anything, anything that, that feels good. And even as I say that what feels good we also, I think in a lot of aspects of our culture, it's like 
if you let yourself have something, you know, if you just chase what feels good, you'll end up like a drug addict eating cake all day long and like not be functional. You'll just mm -hmm. go too far off the edge. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe that's one way that, because places like the, um, the US and Australia also have Christian Christianity in their, their histories. Maybe that, that's kind of something that snuck its way into our culture. Yeah, I think so. Um, Big time. Yes, I think that you are correct. I think that the Judeo-Christian religion, even if you're not observant of those religions, it's mm. so implicitly mm. intertwined through our cultures. Mm -hmm. You know, I know with um, a lot of mothers, when they become mums, they have this whole crisis around their sexuality because there's this mixed messaging around, you know, can a mother be sexual? Mm -hmm. And it come, a lot of it comes from that because, hello, mm -hmm. the first mother was a virgin. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so even if you have, you know, not been observant at all, it's so, it's like a grapevine. Mm. It's like an invisible grapevine, isn't it, that sort of weaves through culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in the in the air and the water and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I I think I read something recently that the idea of virginity actually originally meant a woman that was whole unto herself. It wasn't actually about whether or not she had sex. I think this. I have I read was something, something about like you know ancient priestesses. Yeah. Yep. And, and what, what it actually meant that they were virgins. It wasn't that they didn't have sex. It was that they were their own sovereign yes. beings. I have read something similar. Mm. I and like I went, that. So did I. Yeah. So our sensuality, in terms of your five senses, how, what is the power of it in terms of connecting mm. it to your body, connecting it mm. to that really you know, that unconscious part of our psyche that's perhaps, mm -hmm. you know, sitting within our limbic brain, you know, our reward centres or our nervous system, like how, how powerful is that for people in terms of accessing that deeper part of themselves? Yeah, yeah, it totally, like you said, it, the sensations in our body, I think of them as the voice of our subconscious, mm. our subconscious doesn't necessarily speak in logical sentences or or fully formed thoughts it can speak in sensation or in flashes of images or emotions or things like that and so accessing the layer of our five senses is a gateway to that and it's really um also a gateway into the present moment that yeah. you can't you can't smell you can you can have a memory of smell but you can't actively smell something from yesterday or the flowers that you're going to get tomorrow or it, it really just grounds you into your body into the present moment and that is also powerful because that's really where life happens mm. isn't it right now. yeah it is it is really where life happens and that that resonates a lot with me when I was going through my chemo treatment because it's so hard mm. to just be functioning on many days and some days you're okay 
one thing that I found particularly useful to keep me connected to my body was through my senses. Mm-hmm. And so I would challenge myself every day to pick one and think, okay, what, what's, what am I going to focus on today just to stay anchored mm-hmm. within myself and, and not disassociate, which is really easy to do when you are going through treatment for cancer because it's essentially poison or burning, mm. something like that. Mm. And so it's really easy to disassociate. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like, one, you know, most days it would be like, wow, what am I going to have for lunch? And, and mm-hmm. thankfully all my body wanted was fruit and vegetables the whole time. Mm-hmm. I love chocolate. My husband would buy me chocolate and I'd just look at it and go, oh, I can't even, you know, like get it away from me. It actually made <laughs> me feel unwell. So my body, you know, yeah. in, its, in its own way, knew that it wanted good food to heal and, and keep going. And then there, we would go for walks in nature and we were looking in people's mm-hmm. gardens and, you know, we'd put some music on, but like every day I would try and use it. And I found it such a comforting thing to do during Mm -hmm. the process. And it just kept me really focused on my body, but also reminded me to be really tender and gentle with it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I'm hearing you also describe just essentially that pleasure that enjoyment of your senses that sensuality can be a resource like a a nourishment for your system particularly like right now when we're recording this there's a lot going on in the news there's a lot of uncertainty people are in stressful situations depending on you know everyone has their own circumstances but the simple goodness of feeding your senses with something pleasurable, something good, really can be supportive when everything's feeling fried and edgy and tenuous. Mm. I've just been really going back to the simple things in my own life. Like I spend a lot of time barefoot in my backyard on the grass Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sitting out there in the sun. Sometimes I take, I take my laptop out there or just being outside in my own backyard, feeling my feet in the grass, watching out for the spots where there are lots of green ants because being stung by green ants is not my version of pleasure. <laughs> um, but just that and, you know, listening to the birds, watching the wind in the trees and just you can you can be out there right I could be out there like hanging my laundry and doing stuff and not really being present to it or I can really just go oh I really love how this feels on my feet and I can feel the warmth of the sun I can kind of feel it on the left side of my face and the direction it's coming from and I can kind of curl my body around so that the parts of my body that I want to feel that warmth are facing the sun and I can take a moment to like hear the bird song and wonder, Oh, which bird is that? I think that sounds like rainbow lorikeets. Um, and really just be present to the simple goodness of those things really has been helping when, if I read the news headlines or something like that, I can spiral pretty quickly into despair. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because, you know, we're in lockdown and it's like, oh, God, more. Mm-hmm. 
And I think to your point earlier, because we haven't been explicitly taught this, mm-hmm. we look outside of ourselves mm-hmm. to find that through the mm-hmm. cake or the alcohol or the drugs mm-hmm. or whatever. The high, you know, we chase, we learn to chase big highs, really, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing. intensity. Intensity, yeah. And it's amazing how all of these things are right on your front doorstep. Mm-hmm. They don't cost anything. Mm-hmm. when you practice because you do have to practice I think to build yeah. these new neural connections yeah it's amazing what you can feel in fact just to add on to what I was talking about before about six weeks after I finished chemotherapy my energy started to really come back in and mm. it's when you think about it because you kind of like it kills all these cells in your body, right? So you feel pretty mm. crappy, sort of feeling half dead because it's killing everything. Mm. Um, so all my energy started coming back in. And the thing that I noticed immediately was my sensory experience, my smell, mm. my taste, what I was seeing, my, you know, how I touching my body. Yes. Yeah. They were the, you know, the five things I was just like, this is like the best drug ever. Just feeling <laughs> that energy of feeling so alive because yeah. I've been practicing that the whole way through as we have for quite a few years now. And it was just incredible. I was mm. literally high on life. Mm-hmm. And it, it mm. sort of made me think, yeah, like our, our senses, our sensuality is such a gateway to our life force energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I experienced it so viscerally mm. and, and I just I can remember that day so well I don't think I'll ever forget it my husband was laughing at me it was like the best I was <laughs> it was incredible and yeah. you know you don't really appreciate it because we're so numbed out to it mm-hmm. aren't we? yeah and there's so much to be felt and experienced in the subtlety but like you said it is very much a retraining and sometimes there are a few layers to go through before you can actually experience the pleasure of it. Like that's a good point. You, you're not like, if you, I'm, I'm a big fan of self-touch. Like I, I love, and, and yes, self-pleasure practices, masturbation practices, but that's included in that umbrella, but it's really so much broader than that. I love uh, multiple times a day. I'm like, just running my hands up and down my thighs or yeah Yeah, it's a real um, it's actually a soothing thing I do that too now you've just reminded me like that's very much I do the thighs I just need to take a moment yeah Yeah. and this this morning after I got out of the shower I was I just took some time I I put my um normal face moisturizer on and I just took a little bit of extra time to kind of I noticed I hold I held a bit of tension around my eyes and my jaw sometimes. Mm. And I was just noticing how good it feels to just gently massage the area around my eyes. Oh yeah, that ox- occipital. Like, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. It does feel really good. And and my jaw, and I put a little bit of oil on my legs, and it can be the subtle things, but when if you 
haven't been in the habit of experiencing touch that way. And if particularly if you also have, you've gotten some of that subconscious programming around pleasure is bad or wrong, or it should look like this and not like that. And it's, you know, dirty to do it to yourself or whatever. Your body might be, even if you've changed your mind about those ideas, your body might still be holding on to them. So when I was really first exploring self-pleasure and and self-touch, sometimes I wouldn't feel much or I would feel icky Mm. or irritated or Mm. like just those kinds of feelings can come up. Mm -hmm. But if, so if you go to, if you're like, oh yeah, Carol and Kelly talked about rubbing your hands on your legs and it sounded real nice and you go to do it and you don't feel anything or it feels like, oh, there's nothing wrong there. It's actually wonderful information that your body is giving you. And to, to notice that, to be present to it and go, oh yeah, when I rub my leg, my nose is wrinkling up and I feel my chest kind of leaning back in some way. If you can kind of be present and notice those reactions, that can go a long way towards moving through what you need to move through to actually access the pleasure that I 100% promise is waiting. Underneath it. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, some of the ways that I find really useful with people I'm coaching is to say to them, you know, just describe it, that you hear what yes. it feels like. Yes. Because yes. that'll take you straight into the middle of it and then just kind of moves out again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What benefits do you think accessing our sensuality has for our nervous system and mm. how we can perhaps learn to better regulate it? Because a lot of women in you know post baby or just in midlife in general when we have these big hormonal shifts of course Mm -hmm. you know when estrogen well well, first let's start at babies right so after babies I mean your hormones are going crazy for a long time because they've been having big ups and big downs and so that in itself can feel really weird and uncomfortable Mm. so sometimes you know when women are pregnant their hormones are like raging high on everything and then you have the baby and then most women have this massive estrogen drop for their breast milk to come in. And so you get really depressed and then that passes Mm. through, but you're also dealing with complete exhaustion Mm. as well. Mm. And then we go into midlife and it's just, most people are just trying to work. They're trying to look after their kids. They're trying to manage a house. Now we're in the middle of sort of a COVID crisis. So there's all the pandemic related stuff on top of it. And Mm -hmm. what I notice is a lot of women are quite burned out. Mm-hmm. when they reach this point in life mm-hmm. so how how do you think if you're sort of thinking through this that sensuality can be a great tool to bring us into our nervous system how do you mm-hmm. think it's a good way we can use that to bring some harmony mm-hmm. in there? yeah as I was hearing you kind of describe what happens during say pregnancy and postpartum or through midlife transitions and that sort of thing. 
I got this sense of like your internal weather being chaotic or unpredictable or changing yes. and, and uns, um, I don't know if unstable, unstable might not be the right word, but it might feel really like outside your control and yeah. like some, some yeah. change that you're not in charge of. Um, and I think we used the word soothing before. I think you use that word soothing. Mm-hmm. Pleasure can just be, it can give your, your nervous system this sense that like everything's okay, or at least like there's some okayness here in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily solve all your life's problems, mm-hmm. but it it gives you this sense that like, okay, maybe exhaustion is here and goodness is here too. Yeah. Maybe anger is here and goodness is here too. And so over time, it has a real like bolstering effect on your, your confidence and your resilience and your regulation. But it also just gives you this sense that your experience and your, your lands, the landscape is not just the thing that's hard. It's that all of these things can, can coexist together. Yes. Is that how you experience it? Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same about it. And that, you know, I think it's easy when we do have the big feelings, particularly anger, Mm. and sadness and grief Mm. like they're Mm. sort of three big ones I think for Mm. a lot of women Mm. and because those uh, particularly anger you know that emotion is something that particularly the good girls Mm -hmm. um, are very wired into not expressing and so how it manifests in a lot of women is sadness yes like they cry when they're angry yes yes so that can feel so overwhelming and so What's the word I'm looking for? It's like it's permeating every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. It's like if we were a a um, a beehive, mm-hmm. like every single hole in that beehive <laughs> would be filled with anger or would be filled with mm-hmm. sadness. And so mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. way that you described it and so the way that, that I experienced it too is like, oh, actually some of the holes are filled with anger and sadness, but a lot of them are filled with, you know, anything that's a lot of good stuff as well. And so in terms of resilience, then it's easier to stay in a, a, I don't know if stable is the right word, but just I feel like floating on the sea. It's easier to say floating above the water than it is to sink underneath it Mm -hmm. because you Mm -hmm. have that appreciation for, okay, I am feeling really angry at the moment. Yeah. You know, they just say what's yeah. making me really angry. And then it just kind of moves through. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. But because we, again, through that cultural conditioning, have been taught that our anger is not okay, mm-hmm. like we're actually not even connected to it. Yeah. We often don't even know that it's there. And it comes but out it- of nowhere. <laughs> when it does come, it's just like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it, it'll come out at like some small thing and it's not about the small thing. Oh, the small God. thing was just the one that 
tipped us over the edge. That was like the little hole in the beehive that just yeah. like <laughs> all the honey came licking out. Yeah. yeah. And it takes, takes a lot of energy to, to repress anger. Oh, and gosh. even, even if in that repression is often not something that we're consciously doing. But I do think that that's one of the pieces of the puzzle of why we often feel so tired is because of the energy that it takes to yes, not feel the things that we don't want to feel. Yeah, I agree with you. Or that we don't trust that we have the capacity to feel or we don't know how to feel them. Like, I don't want to make anyone wrong for not feeling their anger. Like, there's probably a lot of pretty good reasons why you are not feeling your anger. Yeah, I don't know. I think I didn't feel angry for it. I had a period of about five years where I just didn't get that angry about stuff because I could, I'm very good at complex problems and I can mm-hmm. always see all the different sides of the yeah. story and walk it out. Yeah. And go, yeah. Okay, well, that person's out, that person's out. Yeah, okay, I can see what's going on. Oh, that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll sort it out. Everything will be fine. Where actually I just needed to just go, that is not okay. <laughs> you just did. Rather than sort of, you know, going, oh, all right, I see where you're coming from. It's totally okay. Mm. I think I was over empathizing too much. Mm. But, you know, mm-hmm. for me, my boundaries have got so much better since I've allowed my anger back into my life. And congratulations. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even what I find with anger for myself, apart from when I read something that I find highly offensive. So mm. for me, it's more you know, like those big, like racial injustice, you know, big mm-hmm. sort of social justice issues. You know, I get really pissed off about that. And I talk to my husband, I'm like, oh, that's terrible and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, little things that happen at home, like I'm just like back off or no, or, mm-hmm. you know, or pick up your socks. I've asked you four times already. Yeah. 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 Um, and I just deal with it. Or no, actually, yeah. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. Don't, you know. So I still probably don't. I feel like I have true access to my anger mm. and it comes out when it needs to come out because I speak for all the other times where like I'm not holding it back. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it doesn't kind of come out in that very overdramatic way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when we press, we, when we repress it, we can just stop experiencing it or we can like, it goes the other way. You know, someone can be overly dramatic and you think, what the hell, what's going mm-hmm. on there? Like, that was a tiny thing. Why are they going to angry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, with the emotional repression as well, actually um, I was reading Steve Bidoff's newest book called Fully Human. I don't know if you've come across that no. yet. It's excellent, excellent book. And he sort of describes our brain. So you and I know it as the triune brain but he talks about having four stories in a building inside mm-hmm. of it. So he goes, mm-hmm. bottom story, that's your nervous system. Do you know, like that mm-hmm. runs or, you know, having a healthy nervous system promotes emotional, physical, mental health, right? Then there's the limbic brain and it's responsible for our emotions, our pain, our pleasure, it's our reward centre. And there's our cortex. So this is story one, story two. Story three is our cortex. It's the logic and rational part. And then story four, he calls spirituality. Okay, he's like, Mm. most humans, the way that we've been culturally conditioned is to only live on the third floor in the rational and logical part of our brain. And I think that's what you and I are talking about and that's what we experience with a lot of people we work with and that's been our own experience as well until we've gone and done this deep body mind work is that um, 
we're not living. This is what I say to people. Don't you want to live in the first and second story? <laughs> They're like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we can do that. And I think, yeah. you know, that's where you access your sensuality and your pleasure yeah. in the yeah. first and second story, don't you? And that's also one of the the joys, I think, or the the sweetness of of getting into that sensual space is sometimes from being in your thinking mind all the time. Like it's a place that you can go where you don't have to try so hard and, and stay in the the thinking and the spinning. Yeah. You just actually exist in an experience of, of being and not having to, and, and kind of like, like I'm getting that that sense of floating on the water as well. Yeah. Like just being able to to go with what's here right now, and and going back to the the emotions as well. I think when you are making a practice of feeding yourself and your nervous system with goodness, with pleasure of the senses, it gives you more space and more fuel in your tank to actually address what's going on with those emotions. Like it makes it more possible to work with your anger to find the healthy expression of it or to to let the repressed things come up and be dealt with without them taking you over in an out-of-control kind of way. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, that, mm. it does give you more spaciousness and it doesn't, I think when we stay in our logical brain, our rational brain, and we talk about things that are happening in our life, we can get stuck in the story. Yes. It. And I think that sometimes that stops us from making that progress that you're talking about in terms of mm-hmm. that spaciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we experience a lot of stuckness in our life because, again, we're, we're sitting in that third floor all the time. And like you say, there's a lot of space down on the first and second story that's there for you that's just waiting for you yeah. to go in and find it, really. And yeah, yeah. It's like a treasure, really. Yeah, yeah. It can feel really good to be more in your animal body to like there's a lot of um freedom and spaciousness there for expression and just yeah being and expressing those other elements of who you are yeah so much so much there's so much depth to it Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, once you dig below the discomfort, like you're saying, you do find the pleasure. It's like this never-ending supply of honey from the beehive mm. that just—it's mm. just there all the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that often we have this idea that healing has to be painful. We have to go through mm. all the muck and. In my opinion, you usually do have to feel some uncomfortable things. Yeah, that's been my life experience. Too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't know that you can completely avoid those. But I 
I think that people also underestimate how healing can also be pleasurable. There can be pleasure in the experience and pleasure itself is healing. It's like, um, well, the body has an orientation toward pleasure, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that experiencing the pleasure is also contributes to your healing and, mm. and to your wholeness and to like, I think you used the word harmony before in your, all of your systems. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that all the hormonal harmony, mm-hmm. um, you know, and as to your reference to what your internal weather, which was beautiful. Yeah. It feels so stormy for a lot of people mm-hmm. at those time in their life. And mm-hmm my experience has been when you can get to that place where um, you are going through that healing process that actually you're kind of sitting a lot in maybe spring rain, you know, like it doesn't (laughs) feel so stormy and the sun comes out and the flowers come out and yeah, we might get a bit of rain again. And yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be lightning and thunder and total chaos. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's the difference between everything's going to shit <laughs> and there's some challenges here, but it's also okay. It's okay. I can do this. This is doable. Yeah, it makes yeah. it doable. Yeah. And like, why else are we, like, do you, to get a little bit philosophical or spiritual, like, why would we, be here i mean i'm looking out the window and i can see there's these trees that um their leaves kind of hang a bit droopy downwards and the sun comes through them at this angle that it just looks magical to see some of the leaves lit up by the sun like were we really born and put on this earth to not enjoy that stuff Mm -hmm. to like were we really given bodies that can experience pleasure from simply running my fingertips up my arm was I really born with these fingertips in this arm but not supposed to do that Mm. yeah I mean look at babies when they Mm. come out like they are like they're not tarnished by the the cultural messaging (laughs) that is total in the moment all the time and you know when babies look at their hands well they realize that they're like my god they're amazing (laughs) and I think of my children and you know all their first experiences and just exploring life and you know what they get into and you think like they just experience joy in the tiny things Mm. you know like their body and feeling and blowing on their belly and (laughs) you know all of that stuff to eating dirt and (laughs) playing with leaves but all of that is they you know you look at them and it's like a slap in the face and a reminder of like actually yeah Mm -hmm. that's that is why we're here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't I it just never once I actually one of the kind of big realizations that I had because when I kind of grew up with this uh, this religious idea that of original sin, actually, that mm. we are born innately sinful, 
and that so many of our uh, urges or desires or experiences in our bodies are not to be trusted. They're wrong and bad. And we need to be really vigilant and really control our bodies and monitor them and, and, you know, definitely keep an eye on that, keep a lid on it. And I started to just realize like, it doesn't make any sense. Why, (laughs) why would we be born with all of this capacity for pleasure and goodness and with these particular desires and impulses towards goodness if that was wrong yeah yeah I think um I think a lot of it you know if you go back a few hundred years a lot of it is associated with women in particular with oppressing them and it's a lot of it's around money of course Mm -hmm. and um families being able to pass down property through Mm -hmm. you know in stay within the family you mean like the institution of marriage and things like that yeah but also you know like okay you're marrying into you know you're marrying this woman she owns all this property but it goes to the male side Mm. but to do that there has to be ownership of the woman okay the the husband has to own the wife therefore the husband owns the wife from a sexual perspective okay Mm. and again all this sort of coupling that goes on and um you know well how do we keep the women quiet and how do we not oppress mm. them and a lot of that is like oh you, you know your body because women are such sensual we're so sensual okay like we're so connected to the earth and I think you know our menstrual cycles line mm. up with the moon okay mm. and so how do you do that well you you know it's that gaslighting concept of well, tell them that their body's wrong actually mm. that what Ugh. what is you know like your bleeding is dirty actually because at the end of the day, we are incredibly powerful because our body gets to choose or decide whether a baby grows inside of it, mm. you know? Mm. So when I think back a thousand years, like that's a very powerful position to be in. Mm. And then you look mm. at that economic factor and the distribution of wealth this is all my economic studies coming in. Mm. I, did. I knew it would come back and be good for me one day. <laughs> um, and that's that's how, yeah, a lot of it happened. It's and quite so a hex that's been put on. <laughs> it's a long-term hex, yeah, yeah. and all the yeah. gifts that we have. How do you explain to people? So I sort of say to everyone, okay, well, your sensuality is a direct pathway mm. to your sexuality. How do you mm-hmm. explain that to people? Mm-hmm. give us your explanation of how that happens and yeah yeah just so people can understand yeah the way that you look at it yeah I think before that I just want to name that like even just hearing you talk about those essentially systems of oppression and we know that there are even more layers of oppression for yeah. women of color or disabled women or yeah. women with other intersections I really just feel that this like burning fire of anger in my chest. (laughs) And I just want to name that and normalize it because anger shows up when something's not right. And that's not right. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Yeah. That's the stuff I get angry about for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's burning. <laughs> it is, it is burning, isn't it? But it can also, when, um, when you have a more immediate and skillful relationship with that anger, it can be fuel. Yes, like that that fuels me in my work. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I was having an Instagram conversation the other day with someone who'd made a post, and I was like, "Well, you know, on the other side of anger is great passion." But they mm. completely disappointed what I was talking about. They're like, "Look, how stupid this can be after this." I'm like, "Yeah, but anger is." you know, is telling you that something is not right. Yeah. And I think particularly once we go through menopause, you know, our role in society changes and this is where the wise woman stuff comes in, but a lot of women get very interested in the bigger, what I would call the bigger ticket issues in society, Mm -hmm. you know, the the bigger community issues Mm -hmm. because they've got the anger because, you know, estrogen is a hormone of accommodation. Mm -hmm. So when your estrogen goes, you know, declines, you go through menopause, it's like a veil is lifted from your face and you're just like, (laughs) what the hell, you know, and a lot of women rightfully get angry Mm. about it and they're like, right. I'm going to make some changes and there's, but they use it as a force for good. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, right, I'm going to put my energy and attention into this because Mm. this isn't, this story is not right. Or this experience, this woman's having, or, you know, whatever, I want to do something about it. And that's where Mm. I think that, you know, that wise woman aspect Mm -hmm. comes in. And I think also the, the brain changes what I notice in a lot of women and I've read a bit of research about this but there's not a lot is that um, cognitively like a lot of people experience reduced sort of detail focus but they become very focused on sort of more conceptual big bigger sort of strategic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a powerful invitation it's a powerful to approach invitation. it that way yeah mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get back to the sexuality. So your, sexuality. Yeah, your question was about the, the relationship, I think, yeah. between sensuality and sexuality and how I see them. I kind of see them as two different faces or flavors of our life force. Mm-hmm. I associate sensuality very much with the experience of our senses. And sexuality to me has this kind of creative life force flavor to it um it can be and kind of like the 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 dance of different energies playing together whether it's you playing with the energy of your own body or you and a partner or multiple partners whatever is happening sexuality I think of often having like sensuality, you know, I can stroke my arm and not necessarily be focused around my sexual center or my genitals being involved in that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with sexuality, I would say more often that kind of pelvic center is, is involved. But when you bring sensuality into sexuality, it becomes so much more of a rich experience through your whole body and I and people have different kind of orientations with how they most naturally experience their sexuality how they you know some people might be 
kinkier. Some people might be more energetic. Mm. I am actually quite sensually oriented. So they're, they're quite closely interlinked Mm -hmm. for me, but I think that your sexual experience can very much be heightened and, and deepened by engaging all of your senses in that Mm. way. And all of the, like sexuality is also not separate from your experience of your emotions and your experience of anger. It's not separate from boundaries. It's not separate from your relationship to the pleasure of the sunshine on your skin. So all of the stuff that we've been talking about so far in this conversation will play into the way that you experience your sexuality, Mm. how, um, how, because it, it, sexuality can be a, a higher level of intensity of activation. And so if you've practiced experiencing pleasure and holding pleasure and letting that be okay, then that will feed your sexual experience as well. Mm-hmm. If you know how to set good boundaries in your day-to-day life, then that sets you up to feel more like it's safe to relax into the, to a sexual experience because you can trust that you know how to set boundaries if needed. Yes. Yeah. Good, good description. Mm. And thank you for linking that all up because again, going back to that good girl conditioning, I think, a lot of us have been conditioned to see sexuality as something that's kind of out there or over yeah. there yeah. rather than understanding that it's such a foundational aspect of the human experience. Mm. And it, is, it isn't mutually exclusive. It's actually interconnected with all those different parts of us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to just, like I think that often when we think of sexuality, we think, men and women having penetrative sex. <laughs> yeah. But course. I would invite us to really broaden our concept of what our uh, experience and expression of sexuality can be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And, and that pleasure doesn't ex- just exist, you know, like, we talked about before people getting really triggered by the word pleasure because of you know people mm. think oh it's sexual pleasure mm. and that it can only exist between two people mm. okay and actually your pleasure is for you mm-hmm. and you know I know both you and I tell that to everyone that we work with <laughs> and that um that that can be accessed on your own through your mm-hmm. sensuality or through your sexuality, or through, you know, just even pleasurable emotions. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so many different aspects and avenues and pathways into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is, pleasure is for you. And it's something that you can, you can enjoy your body with another person and another person can provide certain like stimulation Mm. 
-hmm. but the no one only you like the source of your pleasure is your own body yeah even if even if another person's touch or words or actions are stimulating the pleasure the actual sensation of pleasure the response to the stimulation that is all generated by your own body yeah that comes from you and it can literally come from nowhere else yeah yeah and it doesn't belong to anyone else Mm -mm. you can choose to share it if you want to and you can choose to enjoy it for yourself you can there's yeah it is there's like a sense of um kind of a healthy sense of autonomy and and a sense of like i can i can take care of myself i can when you when you feel like you can meet your own needs that you can find goodness with yourself I think that helps you to come to any sort of relationships from a more empowered place. Yes. Yeah. That just reminds me, another one of our coach friends, Moira, she um, does work around belonging and she Mm. said, you belong to you. Mm -hmm. And I think you get a really strong sense of that through your own pleasure, Mm -hmm. knowing that you can provide that for yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I like to use the language of coming home to your body and your sensual sexual nature like it's in our nature it's and it your body having this sense of your body as home like my belly just kind of softened saying and feeling into that yeah yeah well I was (laughs) saying you know your body is the the house of your of your soul this is the house Mm -hmm. that you live in and you know I I think the midlife journey in particular is the journey home to yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. big time and you know whether it's you know tough emotions that you're feeling or old trauma coming up or like physical symptoms you know hormonal imbalance like your your body is calling out to you come Mm -hmm. home to me Mm -hmm. live on the first and second floor and the third floor and the fourth (laughs) floor you know it's just this constant call of coming home Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. we might finish there that sounds like a good place to finish what do you think come home come home welcome home thank you so (laughs) much i always love talking to you yeah i've enjoyed it thank you kelly uh so if people want to find you mm-hmm. your website is www.carolann.com.au yeah carolann.com.au and yeah. instagram is carol and alive and do you, are you on facebook yeah. not not, not much really. for work stuff not no. much for work for thank business. you so much it was great thank you kelly <laughs>